Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. Today, you're tuning in for our series, Resilient, designed to help you reclaim your joy, strengthen your heart, and thrive in turbulent times. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Your soul has taken a beating in the last few years. The sheer madness of modern life. A steady stream of negative news. It's all taken a toll. You're not alone. So many of us are longing, longing for peace, to feel joy again. But we feel anxious from all the chaos in this crazy world. But take heart. You can recover your joy. You can thrive in turbulent times. It's possible to replenish your soul and stay rooted in Christ. Let God bestow on you the strength that prevails to make you resilient. So when our kids left for college this fall, my wife and I decided to lose a few LBs, a few pounds. We're going to get in shape. We said no more fast food. No more late-night pepperoni pizza. It's, it's hard living with teenagers. Don't judge, okay? They eat all sorts of crazy junk at all hours of the night. You know, my son was home. I'd walk in the kitchen. It's like, you know, quarter of 12, and my 18-year-old son is, is eating a Butterfinger Blizzard from Dairy Queen, you know? And he's like, he's like, want some, Dad? And I'm like, father-son bonding. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> now, it's all right to eat a Butterfinger Blizzard at midnight if you got the metabolism of an 18-year-old. 30 years later, not so helpful. Um, but so Colin and I were like, hey, time for a clean break. Kids are going to college. Let's get in shape. So we wrote down three baby steps, three commitments we said we're going to make to lose some LBs. And we wrote, uh, here they are. I'm going to show them to you. Put them up on my kitchen on uh, our refrigerator. The first is we said we're going to work out on Wednesday. We, we work out on Monday and Friday. We said we're going to add Wednesday. Three times a week we're going to work out. No eating after 7 o'clock and no Dairy Queen. Okay, now we, we wrote these three baby steps down. We taped them to the fridge because we're like, time to turn over a new leaf. Now, I understand some of you are like, okay, this is a little strange though. Like, why, why hate on Dairy Queen, okay? The problem is this. Where we live is kind of rural, but there's a Dairy Queen uh, less than a minute away, okay? You got to drive 15 minutes to get to the nearest town. But Dairy Queen, one minute. And you drive right past it to get to our house. Um, and my kids became raving DQ fans during the summer. Any other DQ fans? You love the blizzard, okay? The Oreo blizzard, Dilly bars, okay, yeah. So it started on Friday nights for us. It was summer, right? After dinner, and the kids were like, hey, Dad, let's go get Dairy Queen. It's a weekend. And we'd go, and it's like a fun family moment, standing in flip-flops in line. But then it snowballed from Friday into Saturday night. They're like, hey, you want to make a DQ run? And we're like, oh, all right, you know, we have church tomorrow. And then the blizzard addiction began to snowball because my kids know how to play me. Uh, they're like, you know, Sunday after church, it was such a great sermon, Dad. You want to get a blizzard, you know, before the week begins? And, and I'd be like, no, we, we, we don't want to do that. And my son's like, well, I'm driving to DQs. Does anyone want anything? And, of course, my wife, Colleen, would be like, no. And I was like, oh, get me a small. And then, of course, she eats half of mine. Anybody else have that happen? My, my daughter would be like, hey, we made it through Monday, DQ. And then Wednesday's hump day. Basically, any reason to celebrate my kids would make an excuse for a DQ run. You see the problem? Okay. By the end of the summer, something strange happened. Our bathing suits began shrinking. 
They just got magically tighter and tighter. And so Kyle and I were like, hey, it's fall. Let's get back in shape. Old is gone. New has come. No eating after 7 o'clock. No Dairy Queen, which will be easy now because the kids aren't here to, you know, mess it up for us. And, and it worked the first week. Uh, we worked out Monday, and then we did Wednesday, and then we did Friday. Uh, we didn't eat after 7. But then on Friday, Kyle said, you know, we did it. It's, it's the weekend. We should celebrate. Do you, you want to split a blizzard? I said, honey, I, I thought no DQ. And she said, I know, but like, we are so good Monday through Friday. It's the weekend. We could just, you know, split a small blizzard. And I was like, all right, maybe medium. And it was, we got the Royale cheesecake, which FYI doesn't taste like cheesecake. It tastes like crack. Um, the following week, tough week, we missed the kids, a little homesick. And we're driving by DQ, and we're like, oh, remember standing in line with them there? Look, there's no line. And it's not 7 o'clock yet, so technically we're not eating after 7. You see where this is going? That's what I knew I had a problem. <laughs> because literally last week, I said, honey, we're not really doing the baby steps. <laughs> and she said, I know, but Dairy Queen is closing for the winter next weekend. They actually close for the season. So this would be our last time. She's like, do you want to split one? I was like, honey, No. Get your own, you know? If we're going down, let's go down together. And that's how we ended up just demolishing these two in our car. Our kids are gone, their habits aren't. You see my problem, anybody feel me? It's weird, it's like on the one hand, I really wanna lose a few LBs. And on the other, I really love DQ. <laughs> Another way to say it, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Anyone relate? <laughs> Today, I want to talk to you about unconverted places, <laughs> these, these spaces and cracks in our lives that aren't quite lined up with God's best for us. And as much as we say, you know, I'm ready to sacrifice, I surrender all, just don't look in my freezer on Fridays. <laughs> if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it to Romans chapter 7, Church Online. We put a link in there for you. This is a letter that was inspired by God. It's the word of God. It's written by the Apostle Paul to a bunch of believers in Rome. And you may think, man, the Apostle Paul, isn't he like a spiritual superstar? If anybody was spiritually strong and resilient and disciplined, got to be the Apostle Paul. I mean, the Apostle Paul was radically converted. He became this follower of Jesus. And then you know what happens? He becomes a missionary to Asia and Europe. He plants churches. He wrote half the New Testament. But the truth is, Paul struggled. Paul struggled with his flesh, like me. He struggled with temptation, like you. And in his letter to the Romans, chapter 7, verse 15, he wrote this confession. He said, I do not understand what I do. <laughs> For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Ever feel that way? Okay. I don't understand myself, okay? I want to exercise, I want to eat right, but instead I demolish blizzards. <laughs> and I hate myself afterwards. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Paul's like, what's up with that? It's like there's this, this battle in me between the spirit and the flesh. He writes, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Now he's talking about God's law here. He says God's law is good in, in every area where we have appetites. I'm not just talking about eating, but I'm talking about our sexual appetite, relationships, our, our appetite for media, our media choices, what we watch, binge, and consume. But watch what he says in verse 17. He says, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is what? It is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. Okay, now everyone say sinful nature. 
sinful nature. And this is not popular, okay? I understand right now popular culture likes to say people are born good. But the Bible actually says the opposite. It says you and I are born with a sin nature. There's, there's like something deep inside us that just doesn't want to go God's way. We've got like a bent frame. We're out of alignment. And what happens is our appetites often get the best of us. Paul's like, can't, hello, can't you see it? He says, I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. <laughs> For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. <laughs> now understand, Paul's a believer. He's a Christian. He has been saved, ransomed, set free by the blood of Jesus. But there's still part of him that struggles. You might say there is an unconverted place in Paul. He's like, I don't get it. It's like deep, deep in my soul, I love Jesus. I want to obey God. I want to do the right thing. But something inside me just goes around the corner, just rebels. The bad stuff I don't want to do. That's what I keep on doing. It's crazy. Does anybody relate? I mean, you all laughed at my blizzard addiction, but the struggle's real. <laughs> and for some of us, the struggle's a lot more real than blizzards. Last week after service, I bumped into a man I, I hadn't seen in a long time, friend of mine, but I hadn't seen him in three years, to be exact. He was part of our church before the pandemic. And at one point, when he first came to our church, he was addicted to painkillers, but he actually encountered Jesus Christ, gave his life to Christ, found freedom, found hope. He was baptized here. And I saw him out in the lobby in the crowd, and I said, bro, I gave him a big old hug. I was like, I am so happy to see you. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm happy to see you too, Tim. And then he just kind of looked down. He couldn't meet my eyes. I said, what's the matter? He said, I, I'm sorry. I haven't been here. I was like, that's okay. I'm just so happy. He goes, no, no, I, I relapsed during COVID. He goes, just my, my anxiety got so bad. I just, I started popping pills again. And I just gave him another big old hug. And I said, man, you came to the right place. This is a judgment-free zone. We, you came, when you're weak, this is the place to come. We're here to love you, help you. And he's just like, but I'm so embarrassed. He said, I don't get it. He goes, I just, I feel so terrible afterwards. But can I tell you something honest? I was like, you can, your secret's safe with me. <laughs> he said, I feel better when I'm high. But then I feel terrible afterwards. And he told me, that when he pulled into the parking lot, he actually sat in his car for 20 minutes debating whether or not he should come inside to the church. I said, why? He said, I don't know. I just, it's crazy thoughts. Like, like obviously God's disappointed with me. Would you guys welcome me? He goes, I don't understand it. He goes, I, I feel so uplifted today. I feel that the kindling again of wanting to be close to God, but I don't understand why I keep reaching for those pills. And so we prayed together, and he cried, and then I cried. And, and wiping away tears, he said, I guess this is a good place for weak people. And I was like, you better believe it. This church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. Amen? People here struggle. We all struggle. We, we want to be strong, but sometimes we stumble, don't we? For me, it's junk food. For him, it's pills. For some, it's alcohol. For others, it's porn. Some of us are addicted to our phones. We're like, I get up in the morning and I want to read scripture, but I can't stop scrolling. Anybody relate? <laughs> Paul relates. He says, now if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's what? Sin living in me that does it. 
And so I find this law at work. Here's the principle. You ready? Although I want to do good, say it together, church, evil is right there with me. He's like, I got an angel on this shoulder and a devil on the other. And they're like duking it out. And it's not even on my shoulder. It's inside. Look, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I, I see another law at work in me. What's it say, church? Read the bold. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Paul's like, there is a war waging inside of each of us. Has anybody felt that? This is why we are doing this series, Resilience. We desperately need a supernatural strength because you cannot afford in this cultural moment, in this hour, to have an unconverted place in you that saps your spiritual strength and keeps you distant, disconnected from God. It's a terrible feeling. I've been there. The Apostle Paul been there. He felt it. He was, he was so conflicted, he basically crescendos and he cries out in verse 24. He says, what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death. Now, everybody hit a pause button. Pause. I want to show you something cool. This phrase that Paul uses, the body that's subject to death, the ESV renders it, and this is a little bit more grammatically correct, who will deliver me from this body of death? And that's a specific phrase that everybody in Rome would have knew what Paul was talking about. That phrase, body of death, is literally describing a corpse, a dead body. Who will deliver me from this, this dead body I'm dragging around? Because there was a gruesome tradition in ancient Rome. You may not have known this. In Rome, there was a special punishment for people who were convicted of hard crimes, capital crimes like murder. If you were a hardened criminal and you killed somebody in Rome, you got the death penalty. But before they executed you, before they hanged you or you were mauled by lions, they would actually take the dead corpse of the murder victim, lay them down, and tie it to your waist as the criminal while you were in shackles. Can you imagine this? Having a dead body tied to your waist? And before he was executed, he had to walk around the city streets of Rome dragging a body of death behind him to send the message so everybody knew, I'm a dead man. Do you see this body that I'm dragging around? That's about to be me. And under penalty of death, no one was allowed to remove the dead body from the condemned criminal. That's what Paul is picturing here in Romans 7. Remember, Paul was a killer, guys. Before he was a Christian, he killed Christians for sport. So when Paul cries out, what a wretched man I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He's literally saying, it's like something dead is tied to me. And I drag it around wherever I go. And Paul is describing the experience of every Christian, every child of God. Because we all long to walk in victory and strength. We want to walk in purity and resilience. But at times, we feel like we're dragging around this dead body of our sin nature behind us. That's what Paul's saying. He's like, my sin nature, it's like me dragging around dead weights. He understands something. People are surprised when they give their lives to Christ and things don't instantly change. When you receive salvation, you invite Jesus in your heart. Forgive your sin. Be my Lord. Guess what happens? You are fully forgiven by God. Past, present, future. Your old life literally dies 
on the cross with Jesus. But now understand, even though you're a new creation in Christ, that capacity, that tendency to sin is still with you. There is an unconverted place that you're just always dragging around. And I just want to ask today, I wonder, what is your unconverted place that God wants to set you free from? For my friend, it was popping pills. He, he sat in the parking lot for 20 minutes. Because even though he's saved, he felt too ashamed to walk in here dragging around that old addiction. It's dead in God's eyes. He's redeemed, but it's still haunting him. He's still battling. It, it, listen, don't kid yourself. It is hard to walk in freedom when you're dragging around an addiction, addiction to alcohol, addiction to weed, to pot, to porn. What is it for you? Paul says, what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? This stinking corpse keeps following me around. What's your unconverted place? Maybe today you came in dragging around some church hurt. Somebody hurt you. Months ago, during the pandemic maybe, before that, whenever, someone in a church or a small group took advantage or offended you or just weren't there to protect you. And you got hurt by a church or, or a, a leader or a pastor. And, and yes, it's in the past. And you've moved on. You've asked God to heal you. But you're still dragging that around. Just hold it on to that hurt. Listen to me. What they did was wrong. But if you don't let it go, you will never be free. You will never be free. Maybe you're, maybe you're dragging around unforgiveness. Maybe you went through a divorce. Or there was a broken engagement. Or you have conflict with a friend and family member. And you're like, it's 98% their fault. But your pride won't let you own your 2% and apologize. So you just drag it around. And you're like, it's okay. I mean, I love Jesus, but screw him. <laughs> you see? And then we wonder, watch, we wonder why I feel emotionally exhausted and I'm kind of limping through life, spiritually distant from God because you've got this unconverted place in you. James said, how can you praise God and curse men at the same time with the same lips? What's your unconverted place that God says, I have come to free you from? How about anger? I struggled, man, in my 20s with anger. It's always a surface symptom. A lot of guys do. But you know what made me feel better? <laughs> Just look at the lives of the 12 disciples. <laughs> you know, they were in their late teens or 20s. They're young guys following Jesus. And yes, they were saved. They believed Jesus was the Messiah. But man, those guys didn't get it. There's this one story in Luke where Jesus and the disciples, they're actually going to Jerusalem and they take a shortcut through this Samaritan town. And here's the deal. Jews and Samaritans hated each other. Okay, they didn't get along. It's like Alabama and Tennessee, okay? And the Samaritans were rude to Jesus. And just look at this. This like encourages me. I don't know. Luke said this. He said, when the disciples, Jimmy and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? <laughs> Which is like hilarious. Like these guys have walked and eat and slept and lived with Jesus 24-7 for three years. All they have ever heard Jesus teach is love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Pray for those who persecute you. And the minute they see the Samaritans, they're like, Jesus, you want us to call fire down from heaven and fry these suckers? There is a reason they called the disciples. They didn't get it. <laughs> they believed in Jesus, yes, but they had this unconverted place in their heart. 
and they're still dragging around anger and racial rage. Jesus must have just been like, have you heard nothing I've been talking about? It says, but Jesus turned and what? He, he rebuked them. He corrected them. We laugh, but can I just say something honest? So many Christians today are carrying around right now so much anger, so much hostility. And we come to church and we sing worship songs. I love you, Lord, but don't get me started about the liberals. <laughs> Do you want me to call fire down on them, Lord? <laughs> Jesus is like, have you heard nothing that I've been teaching you? I guess I'm going to have to show you. See, we're saved, but we're still human. And there's always unconverted pieces of our heart in need of God's healing. What is it for you? What are you dragging around today? Listen again to Paul. I want to give you a different translation. Paul says, if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. <laughs> I wrote my baby steps, but I'm still sucked in. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, they don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. What gets the better of you every time? Is it lust? Is it, is it, is it the pull of pornography? Because, man, it's powerful. I get it. You want to live poor, pure. You want to honor God with your sexuality. But the reality is it's everywhere. And sometimes it's late and sometimes you're lonely and you reach for the phone. And, man, it feels good in the moment. You know why? Because it feels like relief. But then later, you hate yourself for it. You feel disgusted with yourself. You feel far from God. And Paul's like, I don't judge you. I get it. He says, it happens. Look at the scripture. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. Put it up, Clay. The moment I decide to do good, sin's right there to trip me up. You ever feel like that? He says, I truly delight. I love God. I love his commands. But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Part of me covertly rebel, and when I least expect it, man, they take charge. He said, I've, I've tried everything, and nothing helps. And so I'm at the end of my what? I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? Anybody at the end of their rope today? Church online, put in the chat, end of my rope. <laughs> what dead weight is, are you dragging around that Jesus wants to free you from? Maybe as I'm talking, you realize it's shame. You've got shame from the past kind of following you around. It's been dogging you. You know you have been forgiven by God, forgiven by Jesus, but you can't forgive yourself. And so you carry around this toxic weight of shame for, for the abortion, for the marriage mess. Shame for the way that your kids turned out. They're, they're grown, they're gone, but you still blame yourself for the poor choices they're making right now. And that voice of shame, let me tell you, will follow you around. You know what the voice of shame sounds like? Shame doesn't say, hey, you made a mistake. Shame says, you are a mistake. Listen to me. That is not the voice of God. The spirit convicts. He never condemns. The devil condemns. And I need to tell you, the devil is a liar. The devil is a loser, but he is also persistent. 
And he'll just follow you around and remind you of your worst mistakes. You didn't make a mistake. You are a mistake. That is a lie from the pit of hell. And you cannot afford in this hour to squander your strength listening to lies getting dragged down by false guilt from a broken past. The Apostle Paul had a broken past. We call him St. Paul today because he hated his sin. He hated his shame. And it was this constant struggle for him, following him around like a dead body. And so Paul cries out, what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? But praise God, Paul answers his own cry in verse 25. I want to read this together, church. Big, loud voice. Put it up on the screens. Type in the chat. Thanks be to God. Come on, big, loud voice. Who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus said, I have come, and I have come to set the captives free. Where there's freedom in Christ, freedom reigns in your life. In Romans chapter 8, Paul cuts the cord of sin and he declares this, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of who? Of the spirit who gives life has what? Set you free from the law of sin and death. Amen? The Holy Spirit has come to set you free. Give God some praise. Take a praise break, church. Give him praise. That sin nature he wants to free you from so you can actually walk in freedom and victory. You were designed to limp through life, depressed, defeated. On the cross, you literally died with Christ, guys. This is the old you. And God took that sin-dead way of life and he nailed it to the cross, dead. The devil's defeated. That's not you anymore. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God has wiped your slate clean. You're free. You are forgiven. But that's not all. When Jesus rose from the dead, that tomb is empty, friends. Jesus' body uh-uh, ain't there. You were raised to life with him. And he said, now that I conquered the grave, I'm going to put my resurrection power inside of you. In other words, it's not just a sin nature anymore. You've got a new operating system inside. Listen to how the message puts it in Romans 8. She writes, with the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, a new power is an operation. It's the spirit of life in Christ. Like a strong wind has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Praise God, he doesn't just forgive you, he fills you with the Holy Spirit. And when you come into union with Christ, we've been practicing this, union with Christ, here's my heartbeat, here's God's heartbeat, they're not in line, but I'm coming into union so that my heart begins beating like God's. When you've got the Holy Spirit in you, man, he gives you supernatural power, he gives you dunamis, victory over Satan, sin, and death. You gotta grasp this, guys. You gotta get this in your soul. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and you and Denise and Kian and Aaron. He lives in you. Turn to your neighbor right now, look him in the face and say, he lives in you. Say it to the next neighbor, he lives in you. Say it to two people, he lives in you. And you, oh, you gotta get this in your inner man. <laughs> Paul says in Galatians 5, man, he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us, what? Everyone say freedom. You can do better, louder, church. Freedom, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. He says, stand firm then. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Paul's like, dare you, don't you dare go back to that. That old life of sin and shame that's dead and buried with Christ. You're a son or daughter of the living God. He's alive. 
And he fills you with the Holy Spirit who gives you katoskuo. You remember that? The strength that prevails. Resurrection power. So stand firm and you walk in freedom. You feel that? You feel the power in that? I'm telling you, some of you walk in defeat. This is a life-changing moment for some of you. God is calling some of you today to a full and unconditional surrender of that unconverted place. That secret sin, that shameful past that you've been dragging around, I just hear the Spirit saying, it ends here today. Some of you walked in, you're dragging the weight of the world, and in Jesus' name, I just declare, you're going to walk out of here free today. You're going to be free of the pills. You're going to be free of the porn. Some of you are going to be free of that anger, free of the bitterness, free of the lust. In Jesus' name, we're just declaring freedom from addictions. Amen? He can break chains. God can heal you from the divorce, from the broken engagement, from the mistrust, the betrayal. Yes, you were hurt. Yes, God weeps with you. But it is time to stop dragging that hurt around. you got to let it go. Forgive them as Christ forgave you. Stop carrying the weight of the world. Where do you need God's freedom? Where do you need his healing? Guys, this is a life-changing moment for some of you. I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you because I feel him speaking to me. <laughs> and, and he's stirring in some of you right now. And he's saying, come to me right now. I want to cut that cord and I want to set you free. I did it for Paul and I can do it for you. And so I want everyone to stand at all of our campuses. Would you just stand to your feet right where you are? Church online, we're involving you in this moment. If the spirit of God is speaking to you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to actually get out of your seat and step out into the aisle right now. I want you to come down to the altar right now. I'm not kidding. I'm doing an old school altar call. If there's an unconverted place in your life that's been holding you back, this is that moment. At every campus, again, come forward to pray a prayer of full conversion. Not when you get home. We're going to do it right here, right now. If you're online, just say, I'm praying with you. Our prayer teams are here at every campus. And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to touch you today, to break chains, to heal hearts. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Make room, please, for folks to step out into the aisle and just hurry down front. Listen, if the Spirit's speaking, you want strength. You need resilience. We're going to pray for that. We're going to pray for power, we're going to pray for healing, healing of minds, healing of memories, healing of, of twisted, broken desires. Did you know God can plant new desires inside of you? You come down right now. Don't be embarrassed. There's no shame. In fact, with people coming down, this is a victory walk. Can we hear a cheer for these folks coming down? God bless you, man. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're going to leave that dead, stinking, rotting corpse of him and walk out of here a free woman, a free man, filled with the Holy Ghost. Let's do this. If you're praying with us, if you're at home even, just put your hands out right now. Open hands, sign of an open heart. I want to lead you in a prayer of conversion. Just close your eyes. It's a holy moment. Jesus, we just love you. We praise you, God. We love you, Lord. Say that with me. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. But there's part of us that isn't fully surrendered to Christ. So I want you to pray with me. Would you just say these words out loud? Just say, God, here I am. I'm not running. I'm not hiding. I need you now. I open my heart. Jesus, come in to this unconverted place. And right now, I want you to personalize it. I want you to say, Jesus, I'm full of, and I want you to name it out loud. Jesus, I'm full of lust. Jesus, I'm full of hate. What is it for you? Just say it out loud. I'm full of anger. I surrender my unforgiveness. I'm full of shame. Just confess it. Say, I, I surrender it to you. 
cut the cord. Save me here. Just say that. Save me here. I cut the cord. Now, this is important. As you're praying, you are not promising God to try harder or to do better. That doesn't work. You are asking God for full union, your heart to be united with Christ. You're dying to sin and being raised in his power. So again, pray out loud with me. Say, Jesus, convert me here. Deliver me from defeat. Break bonds of shame. Heal this broken place. Heal my mind. Heal my heart. Heal my body. Fill me with your spirit. I ask to be completely converted. Right here, right now. In Jesus' name, I just declare God's word over you. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Holy Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Listen, I know right now as we're praying, some of you may not have come down today. Maybe you're in front of your computer or TV. I just want you to know God still sees you. And you can actually receive his freedom too, but you gotta, what do you gotta release? Is there anything else you gotta release? Is it your anger, your pride? You need to be right or get even. Walking in victory starts with surrender. I gotta surrender some things myself. I, gotta, I have things to surrender that I use to self-medicate. I gotta surrender the food. What do you need to surrender? Surrender the sex, the spending. Again, our hands are open, our hearts are open. Just surrender to Jesus. Say out loud, Jesus, I surrender. And just name it right now. Just name it. I cut the cord. From this day forward, I walk in freedom. I walk in victory. Ask him, fill me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I give my life. Say, I give my life fully to you. Father, I pray right now for every person praying in Jesus' name, release the Holy Spirit. Flood them from the top of their head to the tips of their toes, Father God. Flood them with your amazing power, your love, your incredible grace. I pray for miracles. I pray for healing. I cancel shame. We break bonds of addiction. Protect them by the blood of Jesus. Fill them with the power and joy of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we all receive it and said, amen. Let's give God a praise, church. Come on, stay standing, guys. Lift your voice. Let's worship Jesus together. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.